This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Today's podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. It's never too early to play holiday music, and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's for a friend or the friends in your pants, you can make this a season to be jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favor and use the Lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top of the line shower products to have the people thinking, All I want for Christmas is you. Santa cares about his sack, and so should you. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and use code GUYJEANSPODCAST for free shipping and 20% off. Use the code GUYJEANSPODCAST. For free shipping and 20% off. Today's guest is Anya Zova. She is a stand-up comedian, actress, producer, and she was born and raised in Russia, where she became a kickboxing world champion. Wow. And she graduated from law school at the age of 20. She's the daughter of a Ukrainian mother and a Russian father. After relocating to the United States to pursue her American dream, she signed with WWE, the wrestling organization, and began acting. Anya made her television debut on NBC's award-winning comedy Brooklyn Nine-Nine and appeared on the hit CBS series MacGyver. She executive produced and acted in the TV pilot Wake Up and stars in an upcoming music video with Ariana Grande. Anya is currently touring the country with her self-produced stand-up comedy show, Make Laughs Not War, supporting Ukraine and uniting people through joy, peace, and laughter. Love it. Absolutely love it. So without further ado, here's Anya. Anya. How are you? Hello. Hi. I'm good. And you? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm super uh, stoked to have you on my podcast. Well, I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for having me. You bet. I think uh, we have uh, someone in common. I think uh, we do. <laughs> I think we have the same agent, right? Oh, you was your agent too? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Jim is my agent as well, I believe, and that he's yours too, right? Yeah, he's my agent for quite a few years now. Well, he told me a lot about you, but I didn't realize he's your agent. That's awesome. Yeah, he's um, he's getting things organized for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm, important. <laughs> yeah, so pretty unorganized. <laughs> but yeah, it's, he's doing a great job for me for sure. You know, he's he's hooking up with me with people like you. 
girl. I'm very grateful for him for many things, but for this one especially too. Oh, awesome. Well, I have so much to talk to you about, you know, in the introduction, I, um, talked about how you were, you are a comedian and you were uh, the kickboxing champion, world kickboxing champion, which we're going to talk about. Um, I want to talk about, um, how you write the stuff that you do up on stand up and all that process and everything. But, uh, first I'm going to start, first I want to start out with, um, how you became a world kickboxing champion. How'd that go down? Well, that happened, I think, thanks to my father. <laughs> he, when I was uh, about 14, well, let's say, oh, let's go back. My mm-hmm. grandfather that I actually met him only once, um, he was a boxer and he was a professional boxer and very well established and Russia calls master of sports when you go to the nationals and you win nationals, so you have this special rank. So, and I remember we always had those, like his gloves, like old, brown leather gloves all beaten up and since childhood I was playing around with them so I feel like since my childhood it was like imprinted in my subconscious mind that boxing is really cool mm-hmm. um, and I was in calisthenic gymnastics growing up uh, but I think at the age like around 13, 14 I watched a bunch of American films about like Charlotte's Angels about like beautiful women but also can kick your ass <laughs> <laughs> um, and that seems really cool plus I mean, Russia is not safe either right now, but when I was growing up, it was not safe at all. It was a lot of crime on the streets. And um, here, like in America, parents, they drive kids to school. In Russia, it's not like that. It's like we're very independent since the first grade. We go to school alone. We go back from school home at night. So it's like my my father was like, okay, maybe for self-defense, um, like you're growing up, you're a pretty girl now. Let's uh, do boxing or kickboxing. I said, yeah, I would love to try it. And I went to the gym and I was the only girl there. Mm-hmm. Um, I was all the guys. Um, I liked it. The first competition I won, I was kind of lucky. And then coach, he's kind of, oh, let's go to the nationals. And he took me to the nationals and I lost. And I was like, oh, I really don't like the feeling of losing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and we came back and uh, I started working out twice as hard because I started late. Uh, for any sports to start, even though I was athletic, but it's very late. The like guy starts from the age of eight, seven, eight, nine, mm-hmm. and I started 14. So, like, I had to catch up. So, I was uh, working out twice a day with two different coaches. Uh, and yeah, I had to work my ass off to yeah. get to the national team <laughs> very quickly. Yeah. So, is that something that you try out for? Like, you, you start winning all these competitions, and then eventually you, um, make it and try out for like a, a national team and then go on to, to, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, yeah, that's a good question. It's kind of like a, a lot of competitions before you get to the national. So let's say if you live in Los Angeles, first thing you need to win the championship of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Then you go to the state, you have to win the California state. Then mm-hmm. you have to win the West coast of uh, America. You win this and then you go to the national. So Russia is a huge country. So it's the same first you win the city, uh. then you state. Then you go to the region, and uh-huh. then you go to the national. So once you go to the national, if you become first or second in the national, then you become a part of the national team. And then you travel so around I, the world and compete after that. And you do. Yeah, yeah. you do. And they take you... In Russia, it's a, Russia is a bad country, but what is one thing which is I'm very grateful for, and it's a good thing in Russia, that the government, if, even if you're not in the national team yet, but if a coach sees the potential in a child, you take classes for free. 
So uh-huh. there are a lot of opportunities for kids, like even they kept here, because it's expensive to travel even to the state competition. It's expensive. Uh-huh. Um, and if the coach see potential and say, oh, you look like you actually might be champion or I see something in you. And they're, they're giving you like kind of scholarship, a little of money, plus they cover all your expenses. Uh, they buy you like wherever you need, like boxing gloves, shoes. And the same for any sports, like for gymnastics, for running, for, for anything, for wrestling. So in kind of coaches, they actually go to the schools and they recruit kids. They look at the physics and they say, oh, this guy is good for swimming. Mm-hmm. This guy is good for this. And they recruit kids since a young age. And you kind of, even if you come from a poor family, but you have some something, you like the government is going to take care of you. So that's what the kind of was a good thing for me as well. So yeah, I was traveling with them for all the competitions. I grew up with a bunch of guys that um, like my brothers. And um, yeah, it was an amazing time. How old were you when you became the world kickboxing champion? Well, uh, I won the World Cup when I was 20, but before that, it took me quite a while from that. It took me like what, six years, but before that, I was, when I was 16, I became second on the World Championship in Croatia. Uh, when I was 18, I again became second in Italy. And then finally, because it's every two years, like you have to wait two years to, uh-huh. World Championship happens every two years. And then finally, when I was 20, I was able to win it. So yeah, it took me three rounds like that to get to the top that must have been amazing were, were you just so um, stoked were you just like oh my gosh this is amazing yes um <laughs> yes and no at the same time i was like wow it happened when you desire something for so long yeah but then you're like what's next yeah i, I didn't had another goal in place <laughs> Okay. You know, like yeah. I, I would actually advise any athlete or anybody who has like dreams have several dreams because once you achieve it, I was like, oh, but I had like a plan that I want to move to the states after I win that. Uh-huh. But still, like even moving to the states, but I didn't have like a set goal. And uh-huh. I remember I win it, and I have like my arm up, and I'm like, okay, I did it. But what am I gonna do next? Yeah. And this was the moment when you like have to have to reconsider your life. <laughs> <laughs> So what did you ne- do next? Well, next I moved to the States and I was a little bit lost. I was like, okay, what do I do now? Because I felt like it was a good time for me to finish with kickboxing because I feel like you have to, at least in my mind, I'm like, okay, I have to leave one um, once I'm on top. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like younger generations, uh, they it's, it's going to be harder. And I'm like, okay, let me leave once I'm on top. I either have to switch to boxing, which is uh, became a female boxing, became Olympic sport. Or I have to go to MMA. MMA was really hard. I was like, okay, that's, I have to learn the skills, how to wrestle. It's going to take a while. And yeah. boxing was kind of easier because I was trained by a coach who is a professional boxer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I had, a, I had an opportunity to trade tra- out for WWE. Yeah. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. I watched it when I was a kid. Um, it's sport, it's athletic, it's you in the ring but it's more like a show and I remember I went to Tampa for one week of stray out and I fell in love with that I was challenged in a big I love challenges I was challenged I was like wow this is so hard it's yeah. very it's choreographed but all the, all the falls are real you have to pick somebody up with your height and your weight sometimes, sometimes even heavier yeah. um, you have to throw this person you have to fall you have to like it's I was like, wow, it just blew my mind. I'm like, this is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and yeah, I got signed with them, and um, it was uh, called NXT. Uh, it's part of WWE division. It's like um, where they prepare wrestlers, and I lived in Tampa for like a year and a half. Did that, got injured, unfortunately. Um, and again, I didn't have a plan B. I'm <laughs> well, no, I, no, no. I kind of had a plan B because while I was wrestling, I fell in love with acting. Uh, part of the wrestling, they teach mm-hmm. you acting. We have acting coach. It was Dusty Rhodes, mm-hmm. uh, amazing wrestler, amazing guy, uh, very uh, straightforward. I, lo- I loved him from the day one. And every week we had like one day of promo days, so basically acting. It's kind of similar to stand up, but now when I look back at it, because for mm-hmm. Promo day for one minute, you stay in the center of the room, in front of the camera, the spotlight on you, all the wrestlers at the back. And for one minute, you can say whatever you say. You can challenge your opponent, you talk shit about your opponent, or you, you do whatever you want. Yeah. And I was leaving my week for this one minute every, a week so that I knew that I have a freedom to do whatever I want. It was just giving me so much excitement. And when I got injured and I got, I got this phone call from WWE from Kenya and he's like, Hey, we're going to drop you from the contract. I'm like, are you sure we can do that while I'm injured? He's like, yeah, read your contract. And I was like, Oh, less than nerd in America. You have to actually read your contract very carefully and have an attorney and manager. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> oh yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, I wish I had Jim back then because right. Jim, would, he, he would have read it. For sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. He's very deep detail oriented and I'm like oh damn it and it was really tricky how they awarded in a contract I'm like and I was devastated I was like okay I'm still injured I can't make living with my body like physically so and I, I needed to do another surgery I'm like okay and I started acting I kind of got lucky I had another agent back then and she was working only with athletes and I booked my first commercial McDonald's commercial and paid very well so that was okay yeah. for me like for a couple of months Love. Yeah, I'm like, okay, and I stick to acting, and then eventually I found stand-up, and that took over my life completely. I want to go back to the uh, injury. What what happened? Did you break something? I broke or? my, yeah, I broke my arm in the ring. Um, it was an accident. Was it was it? a very stupid accident. Yeah, it was during the practice. During practice, yeah. Yeah, and it's like the ropes were uh, not tight. It was like uh, very, and I did this move many times before, so I always uh-huh. was fine. But now when I look back, like from a spiritual perspective, I'm like, I think it happened for a reason because if I would stick to WWE and wrestling, mm-hmm. I would never do comedy. Uh-huh. I, you know, like because once you're in WWE, you are there. You don't have time for anything else. It's like you work in a cir- circus, you travel with them, you they end up marrying each other, divorcing each other, remarrying again. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the thing because you, you don't have time to meet anybody else. Uh-huh. You don't have time to, I didn't even have time to watch news. I had no idea what's going on in the world. You, you saw you like in a system. Yeah. And it's like a circus, uh, huh? It's the a tra- circus. It yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. I have a lot of respect for them because it's very hard work. It's one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. How long did it take you guys to rehearse one of those routines that you guys are, when you guys are doing the fighting and stuff, how long does that take? Um, it depends on your level of, um, like wrestlers, uh, who's been doing it for many, many years. Sometimes they do, they're just might not even get on the ring to rehearse it. They just say it's the backstage, like, oh, okay, we're going to do this, this and that. Maybe let's, let's walk it through a little bit and they do it like on the fly. Wow. Uh, those are the guys, yeah, like those are the guys I'm talking like uh, John Cena and like 
they don't need to actually do it physically even before they, sometimes they do it. Sometimes they jump in the ring and like do it once, yeah. but not even like full speed or full because they don't want to get injured during the practice. Yeah. Uh, but for us, once um, uh, we were practicing, I would say we were start like, if it's a Friday show, or maybe Monday, Tuesday, we start rehearsing it. So by Friday, we're ready. Saturday, Sunday, but it, it changes a lot because once you get to the venue, they're like, oh, we're going to change you. Instead of this girl, we're going to wrestle this girl. So you have to like kind of change it on the fly if you think. Mm-hmm. But I would say like once you're just starting out, like at least three, four days to rehearse the match. Yeah. What was it like, you know, performing in front of those, because I'm assuming they're giant crowds, right? You see it on TV and you're like, oh my God, it's like arenas, right? Well, yeah, well, in WWE, I haven't made it to TV. So okay. I was in developmental program. So we did like all those local Florida shows, Orlando, Tampa. Um, I don't know how, those rooms are not that big because before you get on TV, you have to do all those little shows on the road. Okay. Uh, so those are maybe maximum 300, maybe 500 max people. Uh, it's fun. You You kind of, it's a it's good rush. Fun, but it's, yeah. it's a rush. Yeah, it's like it's a drug. It's adrenaline. You get addicted to it. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, you do. You do get addicted. It's a good feeling. It's um, you entertain somebody, right? You give people joy. They, mm-hmm. they put their phones down. They focus on it. It's, it's interesting. And a lot of those uh, are unrehearsed. That's kind of, I mean, it's kind of almost improvised, huh? So, like, they're talking smack about each other that's improvised and then a lot of the moves they know but it's still you can you can get seriously hurt if you don't land right or you know is that right you're absolutely yeah. right yeah, yeah actually um sometimes uh, i was very surprised because um the referee hears a mic uh in his ear and producers um at small and big shows anywhere they sit backstage and to look at the reaction of the crowd and to look how the match is going. Uh-huh. And sometimes producers like, oh, let us change the ending. Let us do this and that. So what they can do is they can say it to the referee to his mic, and then the referee somehow has to find a way to deliver the message to the wrestler. Mm-hmm. So he would whisper something, and you have to understand <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. And you have to communicate without talking out loud with uh-huh. um, your opponent. And it's like a lot of this crowd when you see like, like white divas and Actually, a lot of guys have long hair too. Like, you cover your face with hair while you're holding like in a in a hold position, and you whisper to each other ear. You know? Yeah. And like, okay, now let's do this <laughs> and that. It's like a lot of communication in between, but this is where things can go wrong. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, yeah, but it also gives you like, oh, that's exciting. It's something. Sometimes you rehearse a match, that ten minute match, but it's like, oh no, let's cut it to seven or five. Yeah. And like on on the fly, you have to figure out what exactly you're gonna cut and how you're going to get to the finishing move. And, um, yeah. So that whole, um, wrestling thing led you to your acting career and how did that go down? You just started, you had the agent help you go and get, um, your commercials. And then that kind of led to some of the bigger roles that you had and and that sort of thing. Kind of. Well, I'm not even close to what I want to do in acting yet. So I'm still figuring it out. But yeah, I got a bunch of trainings. I started with commercials and I loved it. I'm like, oh, this is fun. It's uh, you're on set. You've been creative. Um, So I did that, did modeling. Plus I got training in, I got the theatrical training in Russia, like classical. I got training in Miami. Mm-hmm. Uh, slowly started booking. Then Jim booked me on um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which was a lot of fun. 
um, what else I did? I did MacGyver, yeah. but I, and I did like a bunch of not a bunch, but quite a few um, uh, feature movies while I was living in Florida, some in New York. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, it's training and it's it's exciting, you know. When when yeah. you get a new role and you audition, you're like, oh, I have to create a character. I have to be somebody else. You know, it's um, it's exciting. So you love that rush, and then all of a sudden you said, I'm going to start doing stand up, and that kind of went into that. That was interesting because um, I had I don't know, do, you, do you believe astrology? <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay. You do. So, because some people make fun of me. I, I know nothing about astrology, but I love when somebody does a reading for me. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. So, yeah, I yeah. had astrology. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I'm for like, sure. I know it's a full moon. Yeah, full moon gets more emotional. Than the <laughs> I know the basics. Right. I know the basics. Right. And uh, so, I was doing the reading with the girl, and she's like, oh, you have to be on stage. I'm like, yeah, I, I act. She's like, she's like, no, but I feel like there's. And she explained to me, like, your son is there, your Leo is there. It's like, you have to do be on stage and do comedy. I'm like, well, I audition for comedy a lot. I love, she's like, no, no, on stage. And I'm like, okay, comedy on stage is either stand-up or improv. She's like, I, she's like, I think it's um, stand-up. And she's like, have you thought about it? Because you also have to speak. I'm like, okay. Uh, and I had a fear, not of public speaking, uh, but somehow the mic, even in WWE, like I was very comfortable on um, on camera doing the promise, but be with the mic and speak out loud with the mic for some reason was it was giving me like a bunch of fears. For sure, I just think, <laughs> right? Uh, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the biggest fear I have right now. Yeah, like, yeah, but you kind of have to. It's on your chart, and I'm like, okay. And uh, but I'm very, I love challenges. Like I said, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna do it. And I was living in Miami back then, and. A few days after the reading, I drove to the open, I googled the open mic uh, for stand-up. I had no idea what I'm going to talk about. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go there, I'm going to drive to it. Nobody knows me, it's an area. So I went to this bar, uh, and I kind of got lucky because the guy before me, he was Ukrainian, he was doing some jokes about Ukraine, and I kind of like went off him, continued his set, and people were laughing. I'm like, oh, this is easy, just get it. I was very nervous, don't get me wrong, like I was shaking when I get on stage. You had no idea. Um, you had no idea what you were going to say. You just kind of went for it. I went for it. I'm like, okay, wow. I'm going to figure. It. Yeah, I, I back then I had because in Russia stand up, it started developing ten years ago, and I moved to the states ten years ago. So growing up in Russia, I didn't watch stand up. We didn't have stand up. Yeah. So it's not something that like Americans know. This is stand up. This is how you do it. I'm like, I had zero idea how to do it. Before I went, I watched a couple of Netflix specials. I'm like, okay, they just talk. <laughs> <laughs> they just tell stories about their life. I'm uh -huh. sure I'll find the story. And, um, uh, but th yeah, I was very nervous, but because of acting training, my voice wasn't trembling. I'm like, okay, at least my voice is okay. My hand's still shaking, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, and I got the stage high. I'm like, oh, this is fun. People laughing and joyful. And I went to another mic next day and I bombed. <laughs> learning yeah for sure kind of, kind of the thing is happening to boxing first time I won the competition second time I lost and I'm like oh this is this must be a technique to it you have to learn and then I started watching a bunch of stand up um, yeah. yeah and I was like okay I can figure it out and since then I was doing open mics every night and eventually moved to Los Angeles and yeah doing it here wow and it, it's I guess you have to bomb in a, in order to learn. You just you that's just part of the process, right? For some comedians, you just have to bomb and 
And, oh, yeah, you, you know, do. Yeah. There's no other way. And I've seen big comments bombing. And uh, they, yeah. if you listen to the podcast, like, sometimes sometimes they say, oh, you have to bomb for 10 years. I'm like, this is painful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You gotta gotta yeah. work it for sure. How did, how do you, how's the writing process work for you? How do you, how do you come up with what you're going to say on stage? That's what I'm interested in. It's like you do, you, is it everyday things that happen to you or worldly things? And you just kind of try to write off of that. How does that work? That's a good question because I'm trying to figure out, I'm still trying to figure out my process because sometimes I might <laughs> go several months without writing a joke uh-huh. and then I hear something, I hear a news and I have very strong opinion about it. Yeah. And like, oh, I just like, it bothers me, triggers me. And I'm like, yeah. so I guess for comedy, you need to have very strong opinions on topics uh-huh. uh, that triggers you. And then you think about it and you come up with stuff that if it's like really triggers you, the stronger the material is going to be. And yeah, it's happened to me like for two months, I had no material, new much, no new much stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm stuck. And then, um, Yes, actually, that was the was the worst part between Russia and Ukraine. I got so triggered, and I went on stage. It was in the improv, Daniel Beach. It was a, I would usually I don't do it. Usually I go to open mics and try it out. But that day I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna go out there and just do all the new stuff, and it killed. I'm like, oh wow. So you and I figured out that, I guess you have to have a strong opinion on something, and as long as you commit to it like a hundred percent, the audience is gonna go with you, even if they might not agree on some things, but if you see your commitment to your topic, they're going to mm-hmm. follow you. And it also have to give you like joy, whatever you're saying. And also notice like today I was I also didn't write like for a week. I was doing old jokes and I went for a hike, hike slash run right by my house. And um, I noticed when I work out or like I'm in nature, sometimes like just punchlines come to me. I'm like, Oh, I can punch up this bit. Oh, I can yeah. say it differently. Yeah. Um, so I'm not one of the writers who's going to sit in front of the computer and just write, write all day. Yeah. Like I have to be out in the world. I have mm-hmm. to communicate to people or be in nature. And that's when I get inspired the most. Makes sense. You know, um, everybody has their different ways of writing stuff for sure. I, um, I'm always interested in that process. You know, I'm a songwriter myself and you oh. know, I have a certain way that I do things and, you know, write lyrics and write the music and stuff. And, you know, one of the things for me is that, um, you know, we'll, I'll do the music with my band and all that. And then I will sing gibberish over the music. I don't know what the words are or anything, but I'll sing gibberish, <laughs> you know, just what, just whatever. And then I'll do what you do. I'll go for a hike and I'll listen to it in my, my earbuds and I'm kind of, okay, well that, that works. And yeah, it's very similar, but I'm very interested in how you do it. And I, you know, the, the stuff that I've seen on YouTube of you is very clever, you know, yeah, really funny stuff and just clever, you know, and, and the people in the audience seem to totally get it and love it. You know, it's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. Honestly, it's like, I feel like, well, you're right. You know, it's just like you create, it's like, it feels like you're, Oh, this is my baby. Right. When you're like, I wrote it. It's like, it just, you relate to it too much and you're like, Oh, that feels good. And also notice, Sometimes it's good, like if you have old material, because I get tired of material of my material really fast. Yeah. Like I know some people they do the same half an hour, ten, fifteen minutes for years. For me, I do it for a few months, and I'm like, oh no, I can't. I have to switch to something else. Yeah. Uh, and I can put it aside, but then like um, a few months later, I can go back to those bits, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, 
now I miss them and I have like new, like fresh approach and I can add it a little bit and mm-hmm. add a twist. So I feel like it's good like to keep some material like, oh, put it on hold and then go back to it and work on it a little bit more. So there's no rush, you know? It's, it's also like for you guys, it's, it's the deliverance, right? I mean, you can, the way that it's delivered, uh, there's just a timing and everything that goes into the whole presentation of the whole joke. I mean, you could present it one way and it, you know, one night and it won't work. And then you present it that same joke in a different way and it will work. Is that right? You're absolutely right. Yes. And I think timing is the most challenging thing for comedians. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I do a lot of mics. I do a lot of shows and I see so many talented people. And what I figure out sometimes the timing and yeah, if you get the timing, even the material is not that strong, but you get the pauses in the right time and uh, you just feel the audience, it, it helps. And sometimes the strongest material that usually you think would kill, but because it's not delivered with the right timing, it, it's not going to work. Yeah. So there's also, right. there's also, uh, um, uh, you I think you had mentioned it earlier. There's a stage high, right? When you, when you kill it and you come off the stage, is, there, is that like a, the best high in the world or what? Oh, yes, it is. You, I'm, buzz, <laughs> I'm buzzing with energy. I'm like, Isn't that crazy? Oh. Yeah. It's crazy. It's yeah. like sometimes I'm like, oh, I have to hug somebody and give somebody this energy. Because yeah. I, I can't even, it's like so much for one person. And I'm like, and you just see when a comic having a good set and after the set, like their eyes just like light up and mm. sparkle and you're like, oh, it's, it's They're contagious. full of dopamine, it's, huh? <laughs> They're, just <yeah>. like, <laughs> so just injected with dopamine. They're just like, ah. Yeah, I can see yeah. that. You know, and sometimes that, you can sleep. Like you, I go home. I'm like, it's one in the morning, and this is actually a very good time to write. When you feel this, yeah, like okay, I can't sleep. Let me go back to my material. Maybe I can touch it up, and something else comes up. And this is usually where some of the jokes get born this way too. Yeah, I bet. Uh, Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. What is, uh, or who's your favorite comedian? Or do you have a, a, a bunch of people that you like? Do you have any people that you look up to as, as far as That's comedians? That's a good question. Yeah, I, I have quite a few, but I, bet. I really like 
I just written letters like a few months ago. I saw Louis C.K. in the Hollywood improv and he was so strong and dark and very like strong opinionated and like he went like very far in a subject that people usually don't touch like pedophilia and stuff but it was so smart who was it Lu- lucy Lu- Lu- louis ck mm-hmm. oh louis ck yeah louis, louis, yeah. He, oh yeah young. for sure yeah he's just really he's, he's a stud man he's he's really really good absolutely anybody else um, well, women-wise, I yeah. really like Sarah Superman. I think her oh, timing yeah. is good, and she's clever. And uh, uh, who else? Um, there's, well, of course, Bill Burr, last special, is very good. There are quite a few, but I also like adore some like local comedians that like. I feel like they like very soon they're going to be big stars. There's one guy, uh, Hendon TV. He's a local LA guy. He has like two hours of material. So smart. Anytime I listen to him, it's like he loves history and geography. Yeah. So I feel like I'm a history class, but from the comedy perspective. Yeah. He just <laughs> breaks down all the world, wars in the world, all the conflicts and different nationalities. It's just uh, very smart. Yeah, but I-, I love comedy and I feel like there are so many different styles you can do it. And yeah. One of the things that I've gathered just listening to, di- to different comedians is there's like a you know, some of them will steal each other's material. And it, I guess that's really frowned upon, you know, like they'll take it and kind of twist it and make it their own. And has anybody done that to you where they've actually, you were like, Oh yeah. Really? And, I got <laughs> and, and you went up to him. <laughs> Did you go up to him and give him a swift kick? <laughs> but the uh, thing is, I didn't know that back then I didn't know this person in person, but we had somebody in common who shared my said, uh, I had a listed link and it got out and it got sent to the wrong person. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's just, um, it does happen. And so I understand we might have the same premise, right? We call it a premise, the subject we talk about. Yeah, yeah. And the premises are limited. I mean, we live in the same world, right? What are we going to talk about? Like mm-hmm. dating and uh, relationships and work and airplanes right. and food. Like it's, it's limited. Um, and I see it happen in the last scene. Sometimes I see a comic and I see another comic taking a joke and twisting it. And I'm like, it's, I, for me, I just inside, I'm like, oh my gosh, please don't do it. Don't say anything. But what I've been doing lately, I just, I try to record all my sets. Um, you can really protect it. And I feel like as long as it's really original to you, actually what happened to me that night when I got really upset, it's, uh, it's like kind of challenging me to be like, okay, how can be more original? that mm-hmm. nobody can feel it. Mm-hmm. It right. has to be so about you that mm-hmm. it's like impossible to steal. And if, even if they do steal, it's not going to go as well as if I say it. Yeah. Um, so I think the key here is just to be very original to you and talk about you and don't be afraid to be vulnerable on stage and talk about things that you might be not feel comfortable talking, but this is your stuff. Yeah. Um, anybody can talk about, I don't know, Tinder days, right? It's, that's that's something that it's an easy premise. Yeah. But if you talk about like trauma, something bad happened to you, that's hard to steal because it's yours. Right. I like the stuff that you were doing when when you're comparing American men and Russian men and all that's pretty good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> that's like perfect, you know. Yeah, that's good stuff. I was cracking up. Oh, thank you. Thank you for laughing. Yeah, I had sometimes yeah. women Russian coming up to me. She's like, oh my gosh, thank you for saying it. It's so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Oh, yeah. man. 
So are you constantly writing and getting ready for, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing that you have like this, are you doing like a production called Make Love Not War tour type thing? Yeah. Or what's, what's that yeah, all about? Make love war. Yeah, Jim helps me with it. Make Love Not War. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a tour for peace, for uniting people. We started as like a, to unite Russian and Ukrainians. And because I'm both, I'm Russian and Ukrainian. So for me, it's like a very important subject. But now we're expanding like, I want to address all the issues basically and racism and I want to support women in Iran. I want to do one episode for women in Iran I'm producing right now in in Los Angeles. I want to bring Iranian comedians and just to show support. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's very, I feel like comedy is, it's laughter, right? We all laugh at the same language. So it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. It's all about having a good time and uniting, you know? Absolutely. And so is this, is it starting or are you guys still working on it? Well, we're working on the TV aspect of it, but the live events, I've been doing it um, since March. Um, oh, wow. I did, yeah, we did the first one was the Comedy Store Los Angeles, was sold out show. It was a 100% mm. charity. All the tickets went to victims of war in Ukraine. And I took it on the road. I've done San Francisco punch, Punchline, I'm um, sorry, Cops San Francisco, mm-hmm. New York. We did the Carolinas on Broadway in New York with Mark Norman a month ago. Then we were back to the comedy store. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking it like to big clubs and yeah, bringing awareness. Nice. How do your mom and dad think of your career and, and what you're doing and stuff? Are they, are they proud of you? <laughs> they are, but my father's like, okay, when is going to be enough for you? When are you going to have a serious <laughs> life? <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Huh? What are you doing over there? Is he, yeah, is, 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 he, a, is he over there? Is he in, in, uh, are they in, in Ukraine or Russia? No, they, no, no, they moved to, I moved to the States first okay. and I became citizen. I brought them. So they're in Florida now. Oh, nice. But he's like, yeah, my father, he doesn't understand that it's like, I'm serious about it. He <laughs> says like, okay, come on. Like, it's enough playing. It's time for you to settle down, to have a family and just get a normal job or do a business, do something, you know? Yeah. Uh, he does not believe that it's possible to make a living with the creative stuff, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, but of course, they're proud of me when they see uh, me on stage. And yeah, my mom, she's, my mom is very supportive. Like, she would support anything I do. Mm. Uh, <laughs> That's nice. Uh, she's one of the yeah, cool parents that I always joke. I'm like, well, if one day I tell her that I'm going to be a stripper, she'll find a way to support it as well. <laughs> she's like, oh, this is going to be a good shape all the time. <laughs> what? <do> you- <laughs> <laughs> What, yeah, did, what did your what did your dad do or, or your mom do over there? Well, my uh, mom she's a artist. She's a very talented person. She paints. Oh wow! Uh, she's very good at it. I, unfortunately, I'm not. I tried once, and she was like, "No, it's not your thing." Because <laughs> 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 I was visiting them, and I'm like, "Okay, let me try it." I went to her studio. I'm like, "Okay, let me try it. Let me try to paint." And she looked at me. She's like, "No, nah, like, yeah, you can paint for yourself, but no, don't take it professional." And I'm like, "Okay, got you." Um, <laughs> And my father, he, back in Russia, he's very opinion. I think actually where I got from him, he's a very opinionated person and he had his uh, newspapers where he was expressing himself against Putin and regime and all of that. So he's very opinionated. Um, he had a construction company in Russia, but then he, it was dangerous for him uh-huh. um, because he was uh, speaking out loud against the government. Uh-huh. And that's kind of like, I'm like, okay, guys, I think... Uh, you should stay in. They were staying here. They were visiting me on vacation. I'm like, I'm not convinced them to stay. I'm like, I think you guys should stay. 
Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and here he had a very, he's very inspiring. He had to start his career from scratch, and uh, he became a truck driver. Nice. Because yeah, he he, he doesn't have any education here, so he's like, yeah. okay, let me figure out how to how to live in this country, how to adjust. So I'm very proud of him because you know it's not easy to move here at certain age and just figure right. out life right. from zero. So, Absolutely. And he's doing it. Absolutely. So very inspiring. Good for him. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, are you okay to talk about the the Russia Ukrainian thing? Yeah, of course. That's, oh, yeah. Okay. The because I'm I always wonder about that. You know, coming it'd be interesting to talk to you about it. Um, but are there a lot of people that are that speak out against Putin over there, like your dad? Not really. That's that's the whole problem in Russia because people are so afraid. Um, and uh, there are not that many people that are against actually Putin because he's been in prison for over 20 years. Yeah. Um, people very brainwashed and uh, a lot of people, unfortunately, Russian people, we have this mentality. I, I was talking to somebody very smart. Uh, she's a professor in Russia. And she's like, and you have to understand, Russian people, we just, it's in our DNA to have like a star, to have a king. Mm-hmm. And wherever the president says is true so it's like kind of the wow. russian people generation to generation they're so used to have one person to tell them how to live yeah. and they never question it yes we had the revolution we mm-hmm. did which which actually gives me hope and i think about it, okay okay we were able to have one revolution maybe there's hope for another one mm-hmm. uh, but a lot of people who like educated and smart they left russia because they're like okay we can't change the system so they give up and they left. So now people who stay there, they're either afraid, which is scary because you go to jail for speaking up. If you go to protest on the street, it's three years sentence in prison. Wow. And uh, at least three years. It's three to 15. Uh, and of course people, like I talked to my coach back there because I was very worried because he's in that age that he can be sent to war. And I called him and I'm like, what are you going to do? He's like, I'm not going to go to war. I would rather go to jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's like, if I go to war, who's gonna like? He's like, I I don't know why we even in Ukraine, why why we're there, but they so brainwashed, they cut like they have only like I don't know ten channels, and they all belong to the government. Yeah. So it's it's sad, and it's sad to see nowadays, especially. But I also feel like if they want to have more information, Russian people they could have, you know, there are ways to get through internet and you know use different websites. I know that the government blocks it, but still there's a way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so the I'm just surprised. The, yeah, happening, yeah, the government blo- actually blocks like the the internet so that their citizens can't see out. Yeah, it's a they wow. do. So it, even the YouTube is limited. Like they don't see on YouTube what we see on YouTube. Like the government filters. Wow, that's uh, crazy. Inform- yeah, it, it's crazy. That's, it's like uh, it, even I think even our Instagram and Facebook is also like limited. So, but there's some people that, that can get through or, or know how to get through and, and they kind of are informed on what's really going on kind of a deal. Is that right? They, yeah, there are, especially like yeah. younger people, but they just, I feel like it's not enough people who are aware Yeah. and hopeful because it's, yeah, it has to be like a lot of people who one day be like, okay, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, let's. Because for when the, Putin became a president, like first two years, actually, like it was not bad, it was good. But then it went just down the hill from there. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. It's, it's what, sad. Yeah, it's sad. And what what is the what is the whole purpose of them invading Ukraine? Is it just to get more country? I mean, what's his purpose? Is it there? Is there a real big reason? Honestly, I don't know. I think Putin is it's just an ego thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he, because the Crimea area, the Crimea area was very easy, right? He just yeah. went there. He, in two days, it was the Russian military there. All the people voted, or what they say they voted. I don't know if they actually voted or not, but the Crimea area became super easy. So I think Putin, he thought it was going to be the same thing with the entire country. Yeah. And he didn't expect it to be that difficult. And obviously he was not prepared because Russian government, they don't even have a good military nowadays. Yeah. So it's, uh, I think it's first of all, his ego. Mm-hmm. Uh, second of all, he's afraid that Ukraine is going to be part of NATO and it's going to be so close to his border. Mm-hmm. Uh, but most of the thing, I think it's just his ego. He just feels so entitled to everything. He's been a president for what, 24 years now? He thinks he, he can do whatever he wants. So uh, do they hold an election every year? Or it, I mean, every four years or whatever, like we do? I mean, how do they yeah. do that? How does that work? They do. Yeah, they do elections every four years, but it's very corrupted. Yeah, <laughs> twenty years <laughs> as a president. Yeah, <laughs> oh my god. He changed the constitution because uh, when I remember, well, I went to law school in Russia, and always when I was there, it was like the president cannot be more than two terms, right? Yeah. He changed the constitution for himself, so now he can be president forever. Wow. Um, yeah, he can do whatever he wants, and but the truth is, a lot of people also support him. So yes, it's corrupted, but there are people who are like, oh, okay, we're going to just do whatever he says, and he is right, and uh-huh. some people believe that they're saving Ukrainians from Nazis, and there's nothing you can do to convince them wrong. Wow. Uh, yeah, they believe they're saving Ukrainians, and but Ukrainians doesn't want to be saved. <laughs> What's the outlook of, you know, a common Russian on the United States? What do they, how do they feel about the United States? Well, they brainwashed and programmed from the media that it's enemy. Really? Uh, yeah, when I moved and I made this decision, none of my friends supported me. They were like, oh, well, now you're going to be American? You're going to live in the enemy country? I'm like, I don't think it's an enemy. I think it's just a country <laughs> yeah. with a little bit more freedom where you can actually speak up. And you, yeah, um, yeah there's freedom of this and there's a democracy but none of my friends supported me my coach was like for the first five years he was like he couldn't believe that i'm leaving in that city he's like okay when you're coming back when you're coming back when you're going back to practice i'm like i'm not coming back and he was like oh well let's see so nobody for the first couple of years even thought that i'm going to stay here Hmm. um but now i think uh, a lot of my friends quite a few actually reached out to me and they're like, oh, we're thinking to move to, like, how did it happen? I'm like, okay, now they see the difference. Yeah. But, but how did, but yeah, how, did you, how did you um, figure out, you know, that the United States was free and all that, you know, living there and your, and your friends in, it was because of your travels with... Um, my travels and my family. My father from, he was always, he never liked Russian government. Uh, he was he was a rebel from childhood because he when he, when he was in high school he was buying uh, jeans and t-shirts from international students and reselling them on the streets. Mm-hmm. And back then in Russia it was a crime that you can go to jail. Uh, so now they're doing business. 
Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, He's a rebel. That, yeah, he was a rebel, and mm-hmm. oh, he was listening to American radio somehow. He was fine. He was able to catch this uh, wave to listen to American radio, and he was like, "So I grew up in this environment where he's like, okay, you have to leave." It's like he's like, "We will find a way." He's like, "We'll," because he was thinking to immigrate, but it was harder because he had a family to support. Mm-hmm. So he was like, "When you were." So he's like, once you graduate law school, you can leave if you want to. And I'm like, of course not. So I grew up in this environment of seeking like freedom and even like going to school. I was a rebel too. I'm like, why I cannot express my opinion? Why I, I in Russia you cannot question anything. Whatever the uh, teacher says, it's true, right? And I always was one of the asking why, like why? Tell me, explain to me why. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh my god, here she's asking another question. <laughs> yeah, so they like. This is just the way it is. I'm like, yeah, I understand, but I want to know why. And I remember like <laughs> history lessons. I'm like, it just doesn't make sense to me a lot of things. And I never wore like, we were trying to wear, make, wear a uniform. So it's like, it was a lot of things that I was uh, rebelling to. And even in university, it was very, I remember we had um, international students, African-American students, and uh, professors were so racist to get to them. Mm. And it just was in my heart to see it. And I was like, and I remember, like, I was sitting in the classroom, I'm like, I just want to yell at this professor. I'm like, how you can do this stuff like that? Like, it, they were, like, very racist towards them. And I'm like, okay, this is just wrong, and I cannot wait to get out of there. So that was, yeah, that was my mentality. Wow. That's, in- that's so interesting. When I, think of, yeah. when I think of Russia, too, you know, this is kind of off the political thing. When I, it, as far as, like, weather... And I don't know anything about Russian Russian weather, but it always seems like it's cold. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> it is true. Yeah, but, our yeah. winters. I think now the climate change also affected Russia, uh-huh. so it doesn't get as cold. But it depends where, like Siberia, of course, it's very cold. But I grew up in the European part where we had four seasons. So the summer is short. You had like three summers, uh, three three months of summer. Yeah. Uh, and the winter gets really cold. Now when I look back, I'm like, wow, it was hard to live like that. Like you have to yeah. wear layers and layers and um, it does get cold. And sometimes I remember winter time, you can't even open the door from your house because of the so much snow outside. Yeah. So it was, yeah, so it, it did get cold. Were the summers, what, how, how uh, warm would it get in the summertime? Like for those three months? Summer is hot. Yeah, it's, it's like a dry heat. Um, I would say 85 sometimes during the August and uh, sometimes in 90. Um, oh, okay. But at night it gets chilly and we also, we didn't have, like now they built uh, condos and like houses with AC, but back when I was growing up, we didn't have AC. Like you have a fan yeah, and that's all you get. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, during that time it, it was getting hot. So are you in LA now? I am in LA now, yeah. Yeah, so and how long have you been in, in LA? I moved to LA a year ago. Oh, cool! You like year. you like it? I love it. Awesome. I just love sure. I like because Florida is way too hot and it's humidity. Yeah. And I know people say like LA people are flaky. Yeah, I can see that, but I was just like so blessed and lucky like to meet amazing people. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I feel like it feels like home. Los Angeles. I anytime okay. I drive, I'm like, I'm like oh, it feels like home. They're mountain. I don't know why. It just feels good. Yeah, I grew up in Ventura, which is you know a little bit north. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like it's like seventy degrees year round, you know. It's beautiful, <laughs> it's like right? Perfect, it's, yeah, it's like the it's, it's amazing. It's a great place to grow up, great place to live. Uh, mm-hmm. I live up on. Uh, Do you surf? Yeah, I, I was a surfer kid uh, myself. Nice. Yeah, and, and then I I started a um, 
later on in life, I, I was a musician and toured around and stuff, but then I, um, started a fly fishing business and that's how I met Jim. And, mm -hmm. uh, so I have a fly fishing business up on the Kern river, um, in Kernville, California, which is about an hour east of Bakersfield. And, uh, yeah. and that's what I do. And then, uh, I, you know, I started this podcast about, uh, a year and a half ago and, uh, and I've just been meeting cool people like you and learning a lot. And I, I, I have, uh, I love to talk <laughs> and ask <laughs> questions and, um, and talk to interesting people. So it's kind of a fit. I didn't, I had no idea I would ever be doing something like this, but I really enjoy it and learning about different people, careers and all that stuff. Um, That's I, Amazing. yeah you love nature <laughs> yeah oh man i'm i'm uh yeah i i teach fly fishing um all over the place and just love being out in the outdoors for sure wow. do a lot of nice. do, do a lot of writing too you know kind of like you mm -hmm. you know cruising through the forest and hiking and you bet that's super important mm -hmm. i see it is important i see you um you worked with ariana grande is that right yeah i did a music video but i it didn't came up yet i'm not sure if it ever will yeah. But it was so much fun. It was actually the audition was really fun because my I remember I was on the beach in Miami. I was like, okay, I'm getting some tan, and I get an email from agent from a Miami agent, a commercial agent. She's like, oh, I know super last minute, but this audition for a very big big music video. I need your tape, and I want you to cry hysterically on tape for one minute. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> did you do it? <laughs> and I'm like, what do I do? I'm like, I'm on the beach. But thank God, I did another audition like a week ago where they also required me to cry. But that one was very long. It was like a seven minute audition. Oh. And I had, and for that one, I really prepared. I had a story in my head and I believed in it. And I was just like crying for seven minutes, like Whoa. between the lines. So I was like, okay, what I'm going to do? I'm just going to cut because they didn't send me the script. So I basically just had to cry, naturally. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, from that seven minutes, I'm going to just reuse the tape. I'm just going to cut one minute. I'm going to send it to her. And I sent it to her. And uh, next day, she said, congratulations, you booked it. It's amazing. And now I'm freaking out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get on set. They're going to ask me to cry. It's not that easy. <laughs> 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 so until the day of shooting, I was so nervous. And yeah. I'm like, and my friends said, like, well, you can buy those drops to make you cry. I'm like, no, I want to cry for real. And I was like thinking about my tra traumatic experiences in life and what's going to trigger me. Like I was like searching for this, like the biggest trigger in me to cry. Yeah. And I get on stage on set all nervous and they didn't ask us to cry. It was a very pleasant scene where we're like hanging out and having wine and laughing with friends. It was like very good. <laughs> <laughs> How funny. I wonder why they did that. Maybe just to see if you could act, huh? Me too. I'm so curious. And uh, yeah. and I met the director, very nice guy. And I kind of like, I really regret. I hope one day I'm going to cross paths with him again. Yeah. I really want to ask him why they made us cry. And I asked other people on set and they said, yeah, they, they asked them to cry too. What? That's so, so weird. <laughs> I it know. Ha it, has to, it probably has to do with that. Like so probably to see if you guys could act and crying is a big, big part of it. I'm sure. You know, just to being able to cry on, on, on cue, that's hard. It's hard. Yeah. So probably, but yeah, now I really want to meet this director again. <laughs> Dude, so, just tell me why. <laughs> so tell me, how do you, how do you do that? I mean, how did you, do you have to think about like really sad things to get your, to get to that place? Is that what you did? 
Uh, there are certain ways of doing it. So yeah. there are different techniques. Um, some teachers teach to go inside like your traumas, but I found it very traumatizing because it's hard to get out once you get there. Like you need to be very aware of your emotions and kind mm-hmm. of do therapy and for yourself. Yeah. I would, I'm a fan of mostly is just creating a character from scratch, which is more fun. Uh-huh. So if you have a script, it's kind of easier because you have clues, right? You have, okay, this is the person, this is their life, this is who they love, this is who they hate. Uh-huh. And you kind of, in your head, you, I call it marinated. You have to marinate and cook in a character for a few days. Uh-huh. And you find, first you need to find what you love as a character, who you love. And then in your head, you have to create drama, like oh. a breakup or oh. a and I remember that scene I did for like when I had to cry for seven minutes, it was actually it was very bizarre. Um, not this actually was a very interesting script. So it was, um, let me remember how was it. Oh, it was the thing that it's a sci-fi project and I was a mom and I was on a spaceship. And uh, what I did, I had to, my character supposed to film a video for a child I never met. So I gave birth and I went on a spaceship and I have a kid on planet Earth and I'm somewhere on space. And I had to send a video to this kid when he's getting older so I had to explain to him that I'm his mom and that I probably will never see him again because something goes wrong on the ship and I realize that I'm not going back to Earth so I will never meet my kid in person. So, and I just believe in the story so much and I love sci-fi projects. Like, I just love sci-fi movies. Yeah. And uh, it was like kind of the, the director asked to improvise during the scene. So like for seven minutes, I was just like, as if I was like, I was introducing myself to a child that I never met, um, oh. my child. And I was explaining to them why I did it, why I went to space. And I had to create the whole story that I'm saving like humanity, that there's a project I'm working on and I'm doing it for the good, not just for him, but for others. It was just like, a, I created a whole story in my head. Oh <laughs> and my uh, like, uh-huh. Yeah, at some point, of course, I said breaking out, and like I said, crying hysterically. I'm like, it's it was a very emotional thing, but it was interesting too. It's I think it's fascinating what our minds are capable of. <laughs> right. So, yeah, right. Yeah. If you can create a story, believe in it. Mm-hmm. You can create it. You can create a great story for yourself, right? <laughs> oh. <Believe in> it. <laughs> yeah, you know what's interesting? Uh, you, do you know who the the actor is? Christian Bale. Yeah. You know who that guy is. So, um, I, I got hired on to, to, uh, be like the fly fishing consultant on, on one of his films. Mm -hmm. And I spent, I spent the day with him. Um, he just was asking about fly fishing. Like he just asked me questions like, you know, Mm -hmm. everything that he could think of about fly fishing and what it was all about. And I just talked to him about fly fishing because he was trying to play this, uh, the president the vice president, Dick Cheney in this, um, in this movie. And he wanted to dive that deep into that character to know everything it is about that character and his flight. Cause that, that character, Dick Cheney or that the, the person Dick Cheney loved to fly fish. And so he, he mm-hmm. went into that whole background of knowing that character that well, isn't that crazy? It is crazy, but yeah. I think it's, he is really smart to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, your body has to remember how you do fly fishing. You, yeah. 
that's why because sometimes you see like if for like for commercials or smaller projects directors they would actually would rather hire somebody who knows how to do fly fishing right but not mm-hmm. all the people who know how to fly fishing can act <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, Russ, yeah i think it's very smart what he did and you have i think you have to as a good actor you have to be very detail oriented and um experience those things yeah i think it's great that you helped him he um he was super fat <laughs> <laughs> like, he, really? like you know how like he's all cut and everything and then he like yeah. he ate like um i go um what do you like what's your diet and he's like, oh, i just eat pies i'm just eating pies <laughs> right now you know and and he like i mean he was super pudgy and fat like ridiculously fat and but did he have to wait for, for the role yeah like he, he had to gain i think he gained like 80 pounds or something for the role just to be make his face fatter you know look like dick cheney yeah. And then, you know, he's done those roles where he had to lose weight and he was in that movie called The Machinist where he was just, like, he was just eating an apple a day. And, um, yeah, yeah, and just got, like, skin and bones, like, where it was, like, dangerous, you know. But he Mm -hmm. he did that for the role. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you do it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it takes well, and you're like, but I think, honestly, I don't even think we do it for the money. We do it just for the height, you know, because you also get, like, this, once you leave this character and you experience that thing, it's like, wow, it's, you feel like so good about it. It's like, oh, I can do those things. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I always, uh, in my uh, podcast, um, asking about like music, right? So is there, mm-hmm. is there any music that you've been listening to that you enjoy um, right now? Or are you, are you into music at all or? I'm into music. I love music. Well, this yeah. is one thing I cannot think. This is <laughs> that's actually my fear of that. I have to overcome the fear. I cannot do karaoke. Like I don't have a voice. I don't have the rhythm in my head. It's just like <laughs> I'm bad at it. But I do love music. And what I noticed um, how effective music is. Certain music can put us in certain mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, it was period of my life. I was listening to all those like love songs. And I'm like, at some point I'm like, okay, I'm really, I getting really sad and I don't know why, but I'm like, Oh yeah, because I was driving for an hour and listening like to Taylor Swift. And <laughs> 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 I'm like, this is making me sad. So I feel like uh, mu- music affects our mood a, a lot. And also I like like weird music. Um, I have this like Arabic playlist. I, oh, don't, yeah? I, I don't, yeah, but it's just such, the melody is very like soothing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like a, like a meditation. It's sure. um, yeah, I I love that. When I work out, I always get something more like pop and fun. Mm-hmm. But I listen to anything. Like I don't even country music. I like any kind of music. What kind of music do you play? You, you oh, I play play? I play like a, it's kind of like a ska reggae type of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, have you heard of ska? Have you heard of that kind oh, of no. music? Ska is kind of yeah. like an upbeat kind of a reggae kind of a sound. Um, oh, reggae. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like that, but it's um, you know, uh, kind of a little bit faster type. It's not, it's not real slow like reggae. But we, that's what nice. we do. Yeah, we do that. We have a horn section and um, saxophone, trumpet, and trombone, and a um, bunch of other guys in the band. It's a lot of fun. But I like all. I, I like with you. I like all kinds of music, and I listen to different types of music in whatever mood I'm in. You know, I like jazz. I like. You know, all new age music. I like um, reggae. I like rock. I like all that stuff. You know, but I'm yeah. always I'm always interested. You know, when I talk to people, like what they're listening to, and um, it's always uh, it's always fun to to check that out. Well, yeah, I'm, music is cool. yeah, and I feel like music also like it's kind of healing. 
There's some cool. vibration to the music. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Anya, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you, Guy. You've been amazing. Yeah. I had so much fun talking to you. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, I'm glad uh, Jim hooked us up, and and I'll be supporting you. I wish you the best of luck with your career. I know you're gonna. I know you're gonna kill it, and you're gonna do amazing things. So, good luck to you. Thank you, and the same to you, Guy. You're fantastic. Keep it up. Okay, we'll talk soon. Bye bye. Bye. think with four of us spread out on a tiny island that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing but as i've learned no matter where i've been whitetails can be damn tricky pursuing wild game in wild places tune in to hunt stand presents saturdays at 8 30 p.m eastern waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.